0: You're listening to Trick FM.
1: Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 13 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. Today is Part 5 in our series on Richard Matheson as a guy who wrote books that were turned into movies. And today we're looking at his fifth book, A Stir of Echoes, and the adaptation from 1999, Stir of
2: Echoes. I'm Mike. I'm uh, I'm, I'm Max's ghost.
1: And today we're joined by... Our friend Rudra, how's it going, Rudra? Hey,
2: Mike. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for coming on. Now, Rudra, you're actually uh, one of our few friends who works in the industry. You want to tell people what it is you do?
2: Yeah, um, I, I've uh, up until very recently, I worked as an assistant director, and I worked uh, worked on movies and television here in our fine city of Chicago. Which is um,
1: where Stir of Echoes was shot, yeah, by which the is way. where
2: stir of Echoes was shot. I worked with a lot of guys, I've worked with a lot of guys it's not a there's not a ton of crews here, so most everybody I know worked on that movie um, and uh yeah, and then i you know just worked on whatever television shows and movies that come through here, so like Dark Knight Batman begins, Wanted. so you screwed up traffic. <laughs> For a
0: long time.
1: Yeah, I'll never forget. There was one time uh, where I was, you know, working at the theater as a projectionist and I'm walking by the new Tyler Perry movie as it's ending. And I look out as I'm walking by and I see the credits rolling up and I see your name on the screen. I'm like, what? What did you do?
2: (laughs) He only shot shot like a week and a half of that movie. (laughs) Yeah. They're
1: really nice people. They're nice folks. I'm sure they are. Yeah. Roger, what about uh, your relationship with Star Trek? You a Star Trek fan? I am a Star Trek fan. I'm not I'm not like I wish
2: in some ways I wish I was like as huge a fan as it is to like to be able to hold my own with you guys cuz you guys are like anytime I have a question about Star Trek, no, I just go to Mike and I remember oh, what was it? 5 years ago and you gave me those when I was rewatching DS9 and you gave me annotated lists of like what order to watch everything in and I was like he I am wrote a so, list? I'm so <laughs> Mike lucky. wrote a list? No, okay. well he gave me DVDs <laughs> That's crazy. With post-it notes that said, okay, stop and then go watch this well, yeah. TOS episode I or, mean, or that, watch this. Like the triples up callback yeah. and stuff like that. that but that was like, was like amazing. I was like, oh my God. And my I have to say, like I was like I, I felt like I was like taking a master's <laughs>
1: class in DS nine. Okay, so you've seen all of Deep Space Nine then. Yeah well I, I mean
2: think. I like I I guess I can of it this way is like next generation isn't the trek for me. And then like my dad's trek was TOS. Like, and I remember being a kid and watching TOS with him and like very much took it to heart. Like it was one of the few fictional things that my dad like really, really loved and thought was like really important. And I don't know. I mean, that's just where it started. Like I just, I do like enterprise. Didn't really watch Voyager. Didn't get into it. I think DS9 is amazing. But I, I basically just like all of it. Like, I even like the new J.J. Abrams movies. So. Yeah.
1: And what about Richard Matheson? Are you a, a Matheson fan?
2: I'm a Matheson fan in that I'm, like, familiar with his, like, his big works. And I recognize that he's, like, a giant. You know, when I was, like, in high school, I definitely remember sitting down, like, in the, like, science fiction aisle. And, like, just, I remember being, like, who's this guy? There's so many books. Like, yeah. he, had, uh, he had a lot of stuff. And like, so, he had
0: shelves. Right. Plural. It,
2: yeah, and you just were like – it was like him and Asimov, and there were a couple other people who I was like not as interested in. So Matheson, because he was like all over the place, like he mm-hmm. did write a little bit of everything, and that, that was what got me interested. He was probably – I mean, I Am Legend, I think. I'm pretty sure it was the first vampire anything I read.
1: Cool. Well, have you seen Matheson's episode of the original series, The Enemy Within? This is the <clears> one where Kirk is split into – I have and
2: I, I I yeah I I have I it's been a, it's been a while. I did go try to like review a little bit of it before this and I just remember just being like wow the acting is really good in this one. Like I think he writes for Shatner nicely. That yeah, that seemed like what happened. There.
1: That's my theory. In fact, when I've been reading all of these books, I've sort of just been envisioning Shatner as the, the main character and it almost always works. <laughs> it really does. Okay, so moving on to today's book, it is A Stir of Echoes. It was Richard Matheson's fifth book. Um, it was written in 1958, which is two years after The Shrinking Man, which we covered last week. So so this book is about a guy who um, is hypnotized at a party for uh, social reasons. And when he comes to, he has um, strange mental abilities which allow him to do things like apparently see ghosts and uh, read people's minds or or at least sort of like hear what they're thinking. And basically this wreaks havoc in his life and hijinks ensue. So, Rudra, what did you think of uh, the book?
2: We just had our first kid about a year ago. And when I read this book, uh, it was 14 years ago, it was the first time I read it, so it was, like, after high school. Did
1: you read it when the movie came out? Is that what you read? Yeah, it was around then. If yeah, up, I was yeah. in
2: college, yeah. and I was like, oh, I'll read this. So I read, I read the book, and I'm not really into, like, horror. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I like it, blah, blah, blah. At the time, I was, like, in this big John Cheever phase, and I loved it. It really reminded me of Cheever. There's, like, a quality of it. Like, it reminds me of The Swimmer. It reminds me of, like, suburban L.A. and... And I remember just, like, really liking that quality of it. And then, you know, then there's, and then there's like, a thriller, like, in there. Mm-hmm. So, like, there seems like there's just a deep, very deep commentary. And then thriller happens. Um, rereading it, I was, like, the feeling of dread that I had, I just reread it for this. And, like, with uh, having a kid, like, there's stuff about having a kid in there that, like, I didn't even know I could be scared about <laughs> reading it. I'm crazy re-impressed with the book. Because I am just <laughs> – there's all this stuff about his son Richard at the beginning. He's like afraid and just like how, how much and how much he loves his kid and stuff like that. And I just was like, oh my god. I totally 100 percent understand that dread in it. And I didn't realize but that is such an effective device in the book for just like owning – getting me to buy into everything that happens. Mm-hmm. The idea of like that fear and then I understand the wife's fear through his fear about his son. It's – yeah. So – I don't know if I even answered your
1: question. Yeah, no, no, yeah. And that, that's that's an interesting thing, too. And that's something that I thought about, you know, just seeing that interview and hearing that, you know, um, Matheson had, like, a bunch of kids and stuff like that. It sounds like he was, you know, kind of a family man and, and stuff. And um, I really uh, thought that that was an interesting aspect of this book, the idea of um, showing this guy almost first and foremost as a father. You know, like in, in Shrinking Man the way that that's dealt with with his kid is almost non-existent. like he's a completely absent father who, like, by the time that the story, you know, unfolds, like, hates his kid because his kid thinks of him as, like, a cool doll, you know, or or something. Well,
0: that's sort of the, point i
1: know i know that's the point but but the but they didn't do a good job or he didn't do a good job of establishing the relationship early on that he you know this this was a guy who loved his kid and that's part of it i think is a structural problem but here like this is the first time where i was like this is a protagonist that i actually like in a matheson book i mean in i am legend you like him and then at the end you're kind of like oh well okay there's some lurking variables here but here I was like, this is a good guy, you know, and he's got a, you know, he's, he, you, the the love for his kid really, you know, kind of shines through and, and also for his wife. And I'm like, "I, I actually like this guy, you know, very much so. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the stuff with the kid, you know, I can totally, uh, understand that, you know, and in some ways I think it's the most relatable character that he's, uh, um, up to this point, five books in, four books in for us that, that, uh, that we've seen. But what, what what about you max? what did you think
0: well i I like the cheever comparison i i would have never thought about that because I sort of have the little venn diagram and Cheever's way off or in the right. corner and uh, uh, but like you know if I were to make a different Venn diagram about like how people establish realities in in novels that would probably yeah that would probably make sense but like the the granularity in in Matheson's books was always really impressive like with like a paragraph you know where everyone's sitting like what's on the table and it doesn't feel forced there's a, like a logic and a flow and everything's sort of like very organic but like everything feels very real and that that granularity that that like everything is an object and it matters and these things have like a connection to things that like there's a, there's a fluidity to his writing that I that I've always been found very impressive and in stir of echoes I think that there are points where it almost goes too far, where like I, I, I want him to sort of reel back a little bit because he's describing the the sensations of being a medium, mm-hmm. perhaps in, a, in 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 excess, because uh, at a certain point, I, I think that it's kind of impossible to describe something that's defined as impossible to describe.
1: See, I I disagree with that. Like, I I would say that, you know, when you were describing, you know, his, his style just now, I was thinking about how I generally agree with that, again, aside from The Shrinking Man, which I think is handled incredibly terribly. But, you know, he was shooting for something really big with that, no pun intended. Um, but, uh with with this one i mean i I really did get the idea like I felt like you know when he was describing like his headaches or whatever you know the characters' uh, powers no, I'm not, I'm not criticizing i totally it. I'm i totally not, felt
0: no, that. no no i'm not, I'm not criticizing I'm just saying like like literally
2: there were like a few moments
0: where I thought that was an extra adjective
2: i'm not sure i'm not sure i it's, a, it's maybe and maybe it's because it got me it he hooked me so well with my interest in the characters that by the time the like inciting incident of the hypnot- hypnosis occurs, I was like, not as, like, my, my buy-in was like, I was like, okay, I feel grafted in some ways um, that were odd. Like, the brother just shows up at the beginning and stuff. Like, there's some things like that that I think are odd. Um, yeah.
0: It kind of feels like you're jumping into, like, a story
2: in an, a very odd position. Like Yeah, a little bit. Sort of like there's no introduction it might, it might, it's sort of funny. Like, I mean, it's not, not my place to be like, oh, well, maybe with the different editor, they would have been like, just start in the middle,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know? But then again, Ben, you wouldn't understand how he feels about his wife and his, and really set the table the way yeah. he does. He does such a good job with that that I was like, oh man, I wonder if he got to a point where he was like finishing the, like getting, writing like in the middle of the first act. and He's like, I could just write the most amazing novel. Like, <laughs> I could write like a Raymond Carver novel or, I can write this book about ghosts. Like, I wonder if that happened,
1: because it's like he's got it this could, really interesting family going on. It could be, but at the same time, I don't think so, because it's not like he hasn't not written yeah. supernatural stuff. The uh, I mean, the idea of, you know, starting in the middle or whatever, you know, that's actually something that he talked about in regards to uh, both um, I Am Legend and The Shrinking Man, and the fact that he did do that. Like, originally, the way that those were structured, he thought of not doing that and then he he realized that he needed to jump right into the action and then go back and and you know catch people up as he as he went along but those um, are both high concepts right this i don't think you would need to and i i think yeah. it i think it actually works better th- the way it is there, there was a little clunky stuff at the beginning when he was setting things up like you know, he's like, Oh, I looked across the street and saw our pregnant neighbor. <laughs> and then I went into the house, and, you know, my wife was, you know, having some trouble because of her pregnancy. And I'm like, Wait a minute, is that. did Like, I actually went back and reread, and I'm like, So, are there two pregnant ladies? Because it's not like. He's not like, We were both pregnant. Isn't that crazy? She was pregnant, he, he was pregnant. You know, and then it's not until like three cha- chapters later, like, basically at the, hi- the hypnotism where he's like, oh, we had to get going, you know, there were two pregnant ladies here. You know, I I was like, did I miss something or did he miswrite something? And there's a couple of things like that. There's a, there's like the way that,
2: the way the uh, information is delivered, some of it seems like it's close to each other, Mm -hmm. but not delivered together. Yeah. And so you miss one or the other. I, I totally agree with that. I completely agree with that. I Missed it a little bit myself.
0: I, I kind of I kind of appreciate the messiness of it because it kind of feels like you know the the, the middle of a journal because it is first person. Yeah, and like he doesn't feel the need to explain like, okay, reader, this is my brother-in-law, and this is my wife, and, and, and we've been pregnant. married for a certain number of years. Like he just sort of just says so like, oh, and this yeah. happened, and then this happened, and right. as readers, we kind of have to figure out
2: why he doesn't feel the need to explain these relationships. That's a good point, and that might be why, and that probably earns him a certain level of like when he what like the thing one of the things you're talking about like you liking is that how he viscerally is re- tom Wallace is that main character, like how he 's viscerally reacting mm-hmm. to those mm-hmm. uh, uh, to his whatever's happening to him
1: now uh, the other thing which which is
2: not entirely defined also also a plus yeah
1: the the other thing which I, I found a little. Confusing slash disappointing, I guess was, um, you know. There were times throughout the book where like bad things would happen, and um, you'd be like, "Wow, you know, this guy has like really bad luck." You know, he's he's hired a babysitter who's trying to kidnap his kid, which doesn't. I mean, that scene does not. I mean, I don't understand that at all. And and then at the end, I was like, you know, most of the stuff tied together, and it's like, okay, it's not a million bad things that are happening. It's really just one, you know, crazy woman, again, Matheson with the crazy women, he loves these, these women who are drawn to, to murder by, uh, abusive, uh, men in their lives, but whatever. Um, the, the thing with the babysitter, I still don't understand. And I, I don't know whether it was, uh, you know, just the, the way that the, the movie was rewritten, rewritten or the book was rewritten for the movie or whether it was, uh, something that I missed or just whatever but that didn't play to me at all like the idea that she was trying to kidnap him but they found her in the backyard Where are you
0: getting kidnapped
1: they say kidnap yeah they, they, straight say, up kidnap. Say, kidnapped. they
0: kidnapped. say but there's no clear evidence that she was
1: trying yeah but to me it was just like she just went out to the backyard with him which is weird i mean i thought she was crazy
2: yeah no i i i, I picked up kidnapping yeah too, no they
1: actually. said they f- no, flat out said because because when i was reading it i'm like what is going on? What is she doing? That's right. so terrible. They
0: believe that she was going to kidnap him. But yeah. I, I believe that she was not.
1: Okay.
2: What do you think she was going to do? I don't
0: know.
1: Was she think, all I related th- to the rest of the story?
0: I suspect that there probably was some sort of tangential connection to the rest
1: of the story. Okay, because they make a much a much clearer connection in the movie.
0: Yes, and and in right, the movie, it's like someone's sister or something mm-hmm. in the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, like in the movie, like they they describe they have like a scene where the babysitter explains what's going on in her head. Yeah, and in the book, they don't.
1: But but they also make the connection because they change the person who is. Yes, uh, they the ghost. The,
0: they changed the, the death. Spoilers, and the by
1: the way. We're getting. You know, you should. If you listen to this show, you should know by now. Spoilers. If you Spoilers. haven't read the
0: book, that's fifty years old, or the seen movie. the movie that was made fourteen, in this, years, 14 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Spoilers, everybody. So, all right. Bruce well, the, Willis
0: isn't in it, but if he was, he'd be dead. <laughs>
1: the, the other thing that I, I thought was interesting was uh, the twist. You know, they, about eighty um, percent into the book, they set up the red herring. And I'm like, oh man, this makes total sense. Okay, look at that. Look at look at that. How they set that up, and then there's a twist. And in some ways, I was impressed by the twist because I didn't see it coming. But in other ways, I thought it would have made more sense if it was the red herring. I don't know. Just motivationally, what did you think about the twist and and the uh, the, the the villain or whatever the the uh, the murderer, I should say.
0: I thought it was. Perfectly fine. It didn't. I mean, it. I. It always. I always find it questionable when people say like, "Oh, that guy did it." Anytime somebody says that guy killed somebody, uh, I, I'm like, "Well, where's the evidence of that?" It's kind of a kind of a pretty big indictment there. I need to see some hard evidence of that. And when it's a ghost, telling me that guy killed me, I'm gonna say, "Really?" Well, but I, is it a ghost?
1: No, is it a ghost? Don't know.
0: I don't think that that's really sufficiently answered and i don't want it to be answered.
1: Yeah, it doesn't need to be answered. Yeah, i mean there are two there are two
2: explanations given for the exi- for what he's seeing and i think either of them work. But the fact is is that the person that we're looking at is dead. Mm-hmm. Right. The person whose feelings that Wallace is feeling are is dead. So whether it's a ghost or it's a psychic emanation is the psychologist character describes it. Like you know, it's still someone who's dead.
1: Yeah. yeah. So well, what, what what did you well, think about it?
2: Well, what what I thought about it was like what, what I, when I said earlier, I was like, well, this, you know, it's incredibly compelling, kind of family drama and thriller in mm-hmm. that, and then I think maybe the red herring stuff contributes to it. Although it is well set up, I mean, the motivations exist for both, mm-hmm. the possibility of both. I, I don't know. There was something maybe j- just like it's like a time thing, like just of the period. But there, mm-hmm. the, and the woman kind of like losing in history, his, you know, in histrionics. Is like is kind of I don't know why that just didn't it, do it for me.
1: That's a Matheson thing. I mean, this thing. isn't the first time we've seen that happen. someone is bleeding, yeah, I mean, it's it's a thing. Yeah, I, I don't I th- I don't think that he's in- incredibly good at writing female characters. I don't think he quite understands that. Although, then again. You but know, the, the, wife, the stuff with the wife was really good. The, the wife yeah. is very good. Yeah.
0: I, I, I think that that is an unfair criticism. He's, he's talking about, like, a, essentially like a biological mechanism, a type of personality that draws chaos to it. Those people... Are you talking the main character or the,
2: the... I'm
0: talking about crazy people. Okay. I'm talking about people who have problems, who draw chaos to them, and are therefore really good to have in a story. If you don't have some sort of mechanism that produces something unusual, then you're not going to have the possible ghosts, in quotation marks.
1: Then you're going to have no ghosts. That's not a novel. One thing that I will say about uh, the the whole twist and and that and all of that stuff is I really do like the way that, you know, this is a story about, you know, Tom Wallace. And we see his arc And it's almost like, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the way Unbreakable is structured where he completes his arc and there's still this thing left over. And it's like, we got to deal with this thing. Now we know what's going on. We know who you are and what you're dealing with. Now we've got to solve this problem. And it's like one last sort of like adventure. It's almost like, again, like Temple of Doom. They deal with that. They deal with all the character stuff and now this is like just, and now we're going to get to see him In action or or whatever we're going to get to see him put his powers to the test you know and and i did like that
2: especially i mean i especially like it that that's when the 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 first person perspective of the book Mm -hmm. became a real asset yeah because he's just like he's he's there's a there's a confidence that comes with him being like i have some control now but then he also is like i have some control of this Mm -hmm. i don't know how they're going to react and I thought that that was a really well played because that's where the tension is. Yeah.
1: Um, he kind of cheats it a bit when, when, when he's possessed. Right. You know, and he's like, I don't remember anything that happened for the next 20 pages, but I, they told me afterwards. So right. here's, here's what happened. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a little weak, but what can you do, you know? All right, so let's move on to uh, the movie, which was called Stir of Echoes, no, uh. Which is a much better title. Okay. It came out in 1999, which would have been 41 years after the book. It was written and directed by David Cap, who is known for writing um, all of your favorite summer blockbusters. including And many
0: of not your favorite <laughs> summer blockbusters.
1: Including Jurassic Park or That's the, one Lost, the, second. the Lost World Jurassic Park, where he also plays the unlucky bastard. Um, Mission Impossible, uh, Spider-Man, War of the Worlds, the list goes on and on. This was a, a, a movie which he directed, I believe it was his second directorial effort, although don't quote me on that, and it stars Kevin Bacon. Max, what were your thoughts on the movie?
0: Um, I, I remember seeing the movie around the time it came out. I didn't see it in the theaters because every freaking movie came out that year. 1999, so, yeah, the best yeah. year for movies. So there were Some, some of them this fell was, through the
1: cracks. This was literally a month after Sixth Sense.
0: Yes, um, it was it was the time for movies with twist endings, mm-hmm. and uh, I I didn't see it until home video, but I, I I watched it and I was like, I know what this is because I had a had like a dim memory of reading the thing a long time ago, but I was like thirteen or something, and I'd completely forgotten the details by then, so I refreshed my memory on, this, on the on the novel after a while, but I enjoyed the movie. Quite a bit. Um, in retrospect, I find Kevin Baker's accent infuriating. <laughs> I yeah. absolutely hate him. Why do people who are not from Chicago think people from Chicago sound like people from Boston? I was just going to say. What the heck is up this with that? This entire that?
1: movie felt like, like when, they, when it started up, I'm like, it, why did he change the setting to Boston? And then I'm like. This no. isn't Boston. This is they, Bridgeport. They just, right? they, they just don't understand that we talk normal here. I swear to God, I think Sur could have easily
2: taken place in like like a couple blocks from Mystic River.
1: Instead of it being, you know, a jealous wife or whatever, it's basically two kids who corner a girl, the hot drag her from into house. this house. Yeah, right. it's Jennifer Morrison, you know, Captain Kirk's mom. Mm-hmm. They corner her. The hot chick from the house. <laughs> drag, drag her into a house. And, you know, basically try to, to rape her. The important thing is the two guys
0: pulled this girl in, wanted to have sex with her. She wasn't feeling it. One of them decided that that wasn't good enough. And the, and he started to, like, attack her and tried to rape her. And the other one decided to shut her up by putting some plastic over her head. And then she inconveniently died, ruining their day. Right. So they got their dads to help them just, you know, hide the body.
1: So you liked the... The movie. Max. Oh yeah,
0: when I saw it originally, I mean, like, like when I re- recently rewatched it, I was like, oh god, there have been so many better, <laughs>
1: what a, what a, similar movies. It is. It's, it's very that. similar to like even Sixth Sense, and it doesn't stack up to any of those. In my yeah, opinion. I mean, like you know, The Haunting
0: in Connecticut. That's a great
2: ghost movie.
1: What What about you, uh, Roger? Did you like it or?
2: Um, you know, it seemed like a honestly, it just it strikes me as like a kind of a pedestrian work. It's not, like, it's not notable. I mostly remember its palette of, like, unfiltered sunlight <laughs> and, and occasional red highlights. Like, that's, like, all I remember. Yeah. And then I also remember, like, Kevin Bacon's stricken face <laughs> that yeah. he makes. Um, and that's, and Ileana Douglas, the lovely, as yeah. always, Ileana Douglas, who's, who like, was, who stands in for the brother-in-law. Right, she's, in she's, a, a, si- yeah. sister-in-law she's a sister-in-law instead of a brother-in-law. She's a good, she seemed like she would, actually, rereading the book, she seemed like a great cast for someone who could instigate yeah. that in mm-hmm. a way that, like, the brother-in-law in the book. I'm like, what? I don't understand how you put this on. I,
1: I, think, I think either way, you know, it works. I think that's a good, well, a good you know. But it was I, good casting. I'm like, yeah. I, I
2: buying
0: her, like, the hippie chick, yeah. like, attitude. I'm buying right. her as, you know, the hypnotism interest. And, I mean, you know, hypnotism was a bizarre thing. It was yeah. a trope used in various things for explaining random nonsense at the time. And in 1999, it wasn't quite so a catch-all for mysterious. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like that the hypnotism scene, like the the theater imagery. Oh yeah. Which was know,
1: the patio or the patio theater in Chicago, by yeah, the way.
0: That's a great sequence. You know, like the the sleep appearing. All of that's really well handled. The the cover
1: of Paint It Black. Yeah. Actually, a pretty which good you, cover. Yeah, but you barely hear in the movie. You hear it, and I remember the trailer vividly. Yeah, they really yeah. played it and in the And they played that all. Yeah, it was a great trailer. So, well, I, I did not like the movie. I didn't see it when it came out. I almost did. For some reason, I just didn't. But um, I, I watched it again today, or watched it for the first time today. And um, I, yeah, I honestly didn't like most of the, the changes that they made. Uh, I didn't like the change in setting or character. You know, in setting, like. The other one takes place in Los Angeles, but it's a very suburban setting. It's almost like a commentary on suburbia, I think, in in the book. And in this, they move it to like a very uh, sort of blue-collar, very city neighborhood on the south side of Chicago. And um, it's too intense. There's too much of that sort of, like, I don't know... um, it's too go go have a Boston. beer yeah yeah go have a beer after yeah. work. There's too much like animosity. Like there's one part where there's like a party and like a fight breaks out or something, and one of the characters actually says like, "Why can't we just have anything that's nice? You know why why does it always need to devolve into drunken debauchery? Essentially, you know." And uh, and and that I thought was was a problem. Everything seemed loud and abrasive, and everything. Even the main character, you know, like we were talking about before, his accent. he's very you know, not just his <laughs> accent, but he's very uh, really <laughs> bothers me. It, well, that's part of it. But like like in in the book, he's a family man he's loving of his wife and the whole thing is like these two people have the good relationship on one side of the the house. You got the other couple, which is messed up and the other one's messed up, but in the opposite way, it's like here, these people are are actually in a relationship with works, which works here. The first thing that you see in here is, um, you know, his wife coming in and saying, I'm pregnant and him saying like, Oh, that totally sucks. You know? And it's like, Okay, right there, you're setting a tone. The very first time you see them, they're fighting. The way that that character portrayed is, like, crazy, because we're not seeing it from his perspective. In the book, they talk about, you know, how he's on the phone with his wife, and his wife says, like, you know, take it easy, man. And, and he's, he's thinking, like, oh, she thinks I'm going crazy. But yeah. we know that he's not, you know, because we're in his head. And in the mm-hmm. in the movie, we're not in his head. If anything, I think it's almost told more from the wife's perspective. in, in who some, who plays sp- the wife in the movie again? Uh, Kathy Irby. She's or something? a Breaking. Oh, Betty. Kathy Irby. Yeah, she's Terry on like. Uh, wife. Yeah. She's a Breaking Bad. And and because of that, you know, I, I you you don't. You, he just seems. Crazy, like we think that he's crazy, and that changes the tone a bit. They also, I mean, there's some. Um,
0: I don't quite get that. I didn't think of him as crazy. There,
1: there's some plot elements, like like the, the things, the thing with like changing who it is, who who, who, the, who the ghost is, who the killers are, everything like that. From a logical point of view, that makes more sense to me. But it's streamlined, it's more streamlined. But the problem with it is that they messed up the main character, and by doing that. Everything else is kind of secondary and doesn't matter and it doesn't work to me.
2: I agree with you. The character of Kevin, the, the, that character is not, we're not inside enough. And the thing is, though, that rests like, you know, you, you'd you have to be pretty inventive to get us inside his head. I mean, that's the classic conundrum of, of, of adapting a first-person novel to a film, to a film presentation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have some problems with the general concept of first person storytelling in general. I think that as novel writing mechanics go, it's pretty lame and rather limiting. But uh, when it works really well, it it's it's it has to, it's like so part of the DNA of the story that you can't change it. Yeah. Like removing like that that aspect of the story from it it's it's like well, you can't do that. It's like pulling the spine out of an animal and saying, How fast can it run? I mean, it doesn't work. So, the idea of adapting a movie into, you know, like, out of, out of this, out of adapting this into a movie out of a book, it's this book, this particular, in particular book, I, I can't imagine how it could possibly come through without radically changing it into something different. Mm-hmm. And the idea that they radically changed it into a guy lives in a haunted house, that seems about right.
1: Rudra, any uh, final thoughts on the book and the movie or anything?
2: I, th- I think the story of Echoes, like, stands... It, it, to me, one of the things, I, again, that I really liked about the, bo- about the book, and I think it speaks to Matheson, is, like, he really was trying to explore the human condition, uh, this, like, very mundane, suburban existence, uh, but then he was, like, really poking at it and finding its soft places. I thought that was really amazing. And I think that the, the way that he kind of introduced, like, fantasy-slash-science kind of dichotomy and how those could oppose each other that is really that's like master stuff you know that's that's Mm -hmm. really hard stuff to tackle and i don't think that there's a lot of writers out there who would be able to handle it where you just weren't like that was just a mess so i i mean that's that's my takeaway is like serve echoes is a really really well done novel because it's trying to tackle a lot of things and it succeeds considerably more than it you know doesn't
1: max
0: I I pretty much agree with all that. I I have virtually no problems with the book.
1: Well, I I was very fond of the book. Um, I think that aside from I Am Legend, it's uh, his his best book uh, that we've read so far. Easily, um, I really really liked uh, the portrayal of the characters and and his sort of journey. Um, I think that uh, this type of story, ghosts and, and stuff like that, is something which I normally don't respond to well at all. But the way that it's presented here. Uh, really worked uh, quite well. And I think that the movie, while fixing some plot issues in the book, it strips out everything that I really liked from the book. And then we're left with uh, a a story which is structurally sound that I don't care about. And uh, because of that, I I do not like the movie. So that's it. That's Stir of Echoes. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Rudra. Yeah, thanks for having me. Where can... uh, People find you. You're on on Twitter and whatnot. I'm on Twitter, yeah, at
2: Rudra Banerjee. I think that's what it is. But Rudra makes movie. Tumblr. dot com is Rudra where makes I movie. Post
1: stuff. M- Rudra makes movie or movies. Makes movie. Rudra makes movie. dot Was okay. Rudra
2: makes movies yeah, taken? <laughs> I think I only. I think I'm just making one large movie, one little Instagram
1: video at a time. There you go. Now you you did the uh, and I know you you chastised me for not retweeting uh, your uh, Voltron thing, but that's actually uh, yeah. it went it went kind of viral, right?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. I worked with these guys. That, I worked with a guy named Dave Erlakis, uh who's the brain behind a, something called Awkward Spaceship on YouTube, and we made a bunch of videos together. The one that was like the biggest was something called What If Computer Problems Were Real, and that one did a lot of people saw that one. But we made it. We decided to make a Voltron. Um, like behind the scenes Voltron thing, and made costumes and everything. And the folks at the Voltron uh, the offices right now that make it they showed it at San Diego Comic Con last year. Oh, really, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. they're Hall H, like in Hall H. Wow, they
1: like opened showing
2: our little shorts, which is pretty, which is cool, which is incredibly flattering. Yeah.
1: Nice. So Rudra makes movie dot tumblr dot.
2: Yeah, it's mostly just a collection of random stuff. But I'm starting an essay series now. So
1: do once-a-month
2: essay series, getting back into film criticism. So As always,
1: you can find us on uh, our website, commentarytrackstars.com, where we do our other show, Commentary Track Stars, which is going to be ending very shortly, but we'll still have other stuff up there, don't worry. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at comtrackstars or email us at comtrackstars at com. And we will be back next week with my Uncle Tony to talk about Richard Matheson's novel Ride the Nightmare as well as the uh, Terrence Young uh, Charles Bronson movie Cold Sweat.